Hi friends, and welcome back to the Well Done Podcast, where we talk about all things mental, physical, and emotional wellness so that you can live your most vibrant and love-filled life. I am so excited for you to hear today's conversation. We have a special guest who is now my second friend from TikTok. I have really been building such an incredible community over there and have met so many amazing women who are up to big things in the world, but also in their journey and loving themselves and building a healthier, stronger relationship with themselves. And this woman is no exception. This, the moment I saw her very first video that she posted on her new account, which I will share about, I knew like, oh, this is somebody I have to connect with because her mission is so aligned with the work that I do in encouraging women to build a stronger relationship with themselves before choosing a partner. So today's guest is named Kayla, Kayla Epps. She is the host of the new podcast, I Might Die Alone. And while that might sound a little bit um, daunting or maybe depressing off the bat, it's actually incredibly empowering. I Might Die Alone celebrates women who are defining their lives beyond their relationship status and dives deep into the dichotomy of wanting romantic love, but also not letting that absence of it consume us. So when Kayla is not recording a podcast episode, which you've got to go listen to all the ones she's put out already because they're incredible and she has such a, a beautiful, intelligent, warm, loving presence about her. But when she's not recording, you can find her entrenched in her work, improving health outcomes for underserved communities. In her spare time, she loves to travel, try new restaurants and spend time with her incredible community many of which we talk about in today's episode. She shares kind of her tips or favorite takeaways for what it really takes to build and nurture a healthy community and and friendships in your life. And she talks about her creativity time or as she calls it, her wackadoodle time. I'm really excited for you to hear more about that and just really owning the unique parts of, of who you are. She shares so many beautiful gems and takeaways in our conversation. So let's just get right into it. Let's dive right in. All right. Hi, Kayla. Welcome to the show. Hi, Megan. Thanks for having me. Of course. I'm, I'm so happy to have you here because when we had a conversation on your podcast, I was already so eager to dig deeper into some more of your backstory and continue yeah. the conversation that we were having. So I'm excited to be able to pick up where we left off. Likewise. I can't wait. So I kind of want to get straight to it. I would love to hear where you came up with this concept, the idea for the I Might Die Alone podcast and and what inspired that for you. Yeah, absolutely. So I'll share this because you're also on TikTok and I don't know if it's come up on your FYP, but (laughs) there is like this trending sound that goes wackadoodle time. Yes. And my wackadoodle time is literally at night. And the concept for I Might Die Alone came up during wackadoodle time. I was just like sitting in my room. My friend actually was visiting from Chicago and we were just having all of these incredible conversations about where we're at in life, how it looks so different than what we had envisioned when we were younger, but couldn't stop just being overjoyed in the fact that like, we couldn't have dreamt of our life being any different now that we're here in the state. Like it's just so incredibly beautiful despite not having a partner. And I think when we were younger, you know, I've had my friends forever. So like we reflect back on the conversations we had younger. We always just thought that happiness equaled having a partner. Like that's when we knew we made it. Like we just, we did it. We arrived at it. But then here we are in our thirties 
chatting, having a blast in LA and like have no prospects at all. And we just came to the realization like, yeah, we might die alone. But like, is that so bad? And I think that there's lots of things to fear in life. Yes, you know, death brings up a lot of uncomfortable feelings. Like it's a very scary thing to think about. But I was really trying to reclaim that phrase because so many single people say, I might die alone. And it's really met with like a lot of despair. And I just wanted to reclaim that because like, to be truthful, and you know, my other guests talked about it, we all die alone. (laughs) You know, like that's just a fact of the matter. No one can take that journey with us. So like, that's fine. So like, I might die alone, but like, is that so bad? And I don't think so. And that's what I really hope the podcast is able to share with folks like, you know, but it's also leaving room for the fact that if someone does enter our lives, great. But if it doesn't, it's not so bad. Yeah. I love that you shared that idea of reclaiming that phrase because yeah, it's certainly one of those things that, like you said, people can lament on this fact, like I've been single for so long, I'm going to die alone. But I feel like it's also often used as sort of an insult or a threat. Mm -hmm. Like you think of like internet Mm -hmm. trolls commenting on like a single woman's Mm -hmm. video being like, you're going to die alone with your cats and like you have no one. Yes, And I, yeah, there's so much that's wrong with that. And we could, yeah. we could go down that rabbit hole, but I feel like that empowerment of taking this, that phrase back and realizing, yeah, we're all going to die alone. And even if at the end of your life, you're not in romantic partnership at that moment in time, that doesn't mean that you haven't had an incredible amount of love in your life. Exactly. But it doesn't exactly. mean that you're lonely. It doesn't mean there's anything wrong with you. So I just, mm-hmm. I'm the moment I saw, I think it was like your intro video come up yeah. on my FYP on TikTok. I immediately was like, oh my God, I have to meet this girl. Like, yes, this is yeah. this is it. Because so many young women feel that same way of like, I'm, I haven't made it until mm-hmm. I'm in a relationship. No matter what else I've accomplished and how great the rest of my life is, I can't be happy mm-hmm. until I'm with a partner. And that's not okay. We get to reclaim our the fullness of our lives mm-hmm. and partnerships just one potential area of them. Exactly. Exactly. And I think that also adding to that, it's like, we think if we don't have a partner, then we're going to be lonely. Yeah. And there's so many people who are in relationships and are lonely, you know? Yeah. So there's an opportunity for us to build connection outside of this romantic framework that can be so fulfilling. And that's also, you know, why I came up with the concept because I think about my friends and like, gosh, I love them so much. And that is my community. So I never really feel lonely because I have them and we've worked hard to foster this community amongst ourselves and provide each other with support that I think generally we would be looking for in romantic relationships. There's a level of intimacy that I think comes in, in, in female friendships, particularly that I think is just so special if you take the time to nurture it. Uh, so I think it, it's just fantastic. And I hope we can come to a place where we recognize that more at a wide scale. I absolutely agree. And in many ways, I think that, like you said earlier, being in a relationship where you feel lonely is often worse than being yeah. on your own, feeling unseen and unheard and not connected when you are in partnership. That can be so, so isolating. And exactly. There is so much love to be had and to be shared and created in our lives and romantic relationship is just one type of love. So I would love to hear more from you. I know you just mentioned like your community and how much Mm -hmm. your friends really mean to you. 
One of the things that I hear from a lot of women is that they feel this pressure to be in relationship because they don't have that community. They don't Mm -hmm. have friends. And so that just heightens the feeling of loneliness or amplifies it rather. And that can make us feel like, you know, romantic partnership will be the the one fix, but community building, I think is the thing that the more sustainable option, like when you build a rich community, that's your support system for long-term. So what did that look like for you? How was it to build a community? I know you moved to a new city and I know sometimes moving can make it hard to to make friends. So what has that part of your journey looked like? Yeah, I want to start off by saying I recognize that it's not easy to build community. Like it takes work and it takes a level of vulnerability uh, that you have to really get comfortable with. And I will say that I've been very lucky in the fact that I've had friends for like 15 plus years. I've been really lucky that I have like a framework to to work from because I've always had strong friendships. I I appreciate that so much. And I know I'm very, very incredibly lucky. But as my friends, you know, build their own families and we've gone in different states, I've had to build different communities wherever I actually have landed, whether it be for work or pursuing school. So I've gone about building community by one putting myself out there and being comfortable with being uncomfortable. So it is going to places alone in the hopes that I'm going to meet potentially like-minded individuals. And that's no, not going to the club. <laughs> like it's yeah. putting yourself like in the right situations. Like maybe I'm going to meet up, you know, there was a time when meetup.com was huge and like there would be whole, all these groups that you can join single, you know, in twenties, you know, interested in hiking, like super niche groups that existed that you can go up and meet like-minded individuals who are also in the framework of wanting to build community and wanting to build friends. So I think it was, it was finding those type of events that I could go to where I knew that there would be a higher likelihood of meeting people who are in the same mindset and also looking for community. I think that's key. You also have to be in a situation where there is a higher likelihood that people are looking for community because like we live in America, it's very individualized society. And as you get older, it's so hard to meet friends organically because people are, you know, in their own little groups. It's so hard for people to even make eye contact with other people, you know? So it is, you have to be very strategic. So I say that's my number one strategy. The other strategy is I slide in people's DMs all the time. Yes. <laughs> People know that about me. Like I will slide and I don't care because my life will remain the same, whether you respond or don't. But I always think about what if they do respond and what if we do hit it off? And what if I just made a new friend in a new city? How cool would that be? So that's what I always anchor on. So those I would say are the two strategies that I use to like build community in in different cities where I may not have a strong network. And then also like leveraging your friends and their network. You know, we I think we think so that our network is only the people around us, but our friends also have networks. So if you're moving to a different city, different place, be like, hey, you know, let them know voice that you want to meet new friends. Say, hey, I'd like I'm I'm moving to Chicago. Like, do you know anyone in Chicago that I might vibe with? And use them as an extension of your network to potentially meet more like-minded individuals. Because like, if you like your friend, there's a high probability you'll like their friend. You know what I'm saying? So those, those are kind of the strategies I use. 
Those are such great tips. And and in those last couple examples you shared, all of them really are about being proactive and, and kind of like you said, like you have to make the ask. You have to ask yeah. the question and put yourself out there. Otherwise, you never know. And the worst thing that happens is you don't get a response or maybe they're, you know, not somebody you really vibe with. And, and that's okay. Right. At least you tried. Mm-hmm. Um, but I do love that we can use social media in that kind of empowered yeah. way because there's certainly negatives about it but I mean that's how, how we connect it exactly right? like, exactly like a cool thing it is one thing you shared when you were first talking about community as well is that power of vulnerability right and mm-hmm. that in order to build these deep fulfilling rich connections and, and really have that solid support system like we've got to put something on the line we have to mm-hmm. show up and, and be vulnerable and that's something that I think is so important because in my experience, a lot of people reserve certain um, experiences and qualities or, or ways of being for just romantic relationships, mm-hmm. you know, things like intimacy and vulnerability and romance itself. I have this incredible friend, um, his name's Joelle Leon. He's uh, he's a writer and artist. And um, if you're not following him on, on Instagram, you should, because he just writes like the most beautiful, profound quotes. But he and I were recently talking about this idea of how he likes to find and create romance in every area of his life. Mm -hmm. He's like, I'm romantic with my friends. I'm romantic Mm -hmm. with my community. I'm romantic with my family. And it made me think of that when you, when you talked about vulnerability being so important, because I think that's where we get to tap into the things we think are missing from our lives without a partner, when we can practice those and feel those with our friends. So I guess, what does that kind of bring up for you? And what are some ways that you and your friends foster that kind of intimacy and vulnerability with one another? Yeah, no, that is a great, great question. And I think the first thing that comes to mind is like, just as I hear this all the time, TikTok TikTok and social media, it's date night. And it's really only in the context of romantic relationships. What does it look like to reserve time for your friends in that same way, regardless if you have a romantic partnership or not. And that's something me and my girlfriends too. And I think that we've been really diligent about, even as their lives grow, they become mothers, they're, you know, married, they still set a time, set time aside to nurture our relationships because platonic relationships also require nurturing and a level of romance and commitment and intimacy. So it's really setting aside that time to say, Hey, this this relationship is important to me. So we're going to plan those trips. We're going to set up our weekly Zoom calls. We're going to check in daily like we would with a romantic partner. Obviously, life sometimes gets in the way, so it may not be that frequent, but it's going to be at the top of our mind. You're going to be a pinned message, you know, in my iMessage, like you are important to me. You're going to roll up to the top. And I think that is how we have fostered this intimacy and vulnerability and ensuring that no matter what else life brings our way, we always remain at the center of it, which I think is just so beautiful. And obviously it gets difficult as people are in different life stages, but I think my girlfriends and I have been really diligent about ensuring that understanding that our, our friendship is something that's very, very special and we want to preserve it as long as we can. 
I love that so much. And I, I also love that you acknowledge like the different life stages because I, you know, being in my 30s as well, have plenty of friends who have kids or are married mm-hmm. and have different dynamics that keep them certainly busy. And I'm busy in, in my career and all the things mm-hmm. I'm up to. But when you get intentional about, okay, yes, our schedules are both crazy, but when's the next time that we're going to get together for a mm-hmm. nice a nice meal or drinks or going on a walk at least mm-hmm. and connecting and and knowing that you have that to look forward to. And even in those small ways and small moments, I love that you said like pinning their texts at the top mm-hmm. to keep them front of mind. Because mm-hmm. when you send your friend a check-in text, like, hey, thinking of you today, that's it. You don't need anything yep. from them. You're not, not asking a question. It's just like, hey, you're on my mind. Like that goes such a long way. That feels so good to be both on the giving and receiving end of. Absolutely. Absolutely. My friend just did that to me today and she's freshly postpartum. She has so much to focus on, like keeping a little baby human alive. But she was like, Hey, you've been on my mind. I know you've been working on X, Y, Z. How is that going? Like, and that is so touching to me. Like it is just the sweetest things. And yeah, I'm just reiterating what you just said, but it is quite special. And it's, I think we underestimate how impactful that could be. Yeah. And and I think it's a testament to all of the work that you've put mm-hmm. into your friendships and everything you've shared so far, as far as like tips and guidance of how to do that, because when we show up for our people, they show up for us too. And, and then it's yes. this reciprocal, beautiful living thing. Absolutely. One thing I'm curious about for you, and this is like just a curiosity of mine in general, I've been exploring lately, you know, we're talking about people at different life stages and being in your thirties and have people have um, kids and families and when you're not necessarily meeting those particular milestones, it that might have been like what started you to to create this podcast and have yeah. these questions and look at like, wow, my life is amazing without those things at mm-hmm. this moment in time. Was there an age for you or a time in your life where that really started to shift? Because I think most people assume it's like when you hit 30, but f- my experience was actually a little different. So I'd love to hear yours. Like when I hit the fact that or with peace of being where I'm at in life, despite not hitting milestones? Yeah, I, I guess the pressure and then the peace. I'll just quickly mm-hmm. share. Like for me, I never felt more behind in life than like 25. When I was 25 <laughs> yeah. and single and like hadn't met the person or didn't have yeah. the kids. I thought I was like just totally such a failure. And in retrospect, I'm like, oh, 25. That's so cute. A baby. <laughs> what a little baby. <laughs> And so I thought that the pressure would keep mounting until 30 and then past 30 and and I'm 32 now. And ever since 30, it's been that peace and that liberation and that acceptance of like, oh my God, my life is amazing with or without a partner. Yeah, I think, great question. I think the panic for me came at 27. And I say 27 only because in my mind for the longest time at 26, I was gonna have my first kid. That's when my mom had me, I'm obsessed with my mom. She's my idol. I'm just like, yeah, so it just makes sense. Like 26, like that's, that's what I'm doing. And then you see everyone else around you, 26, they're starting their first pregnancies. They're getting married and literally no prospects, like no opportunities, just situationship after situationship. And I said, oh no, I'm getting a little too old for this. And I think the panic really started to set in like, but 27, but then I was going into 28 and then 28 started COVID. Mm. And then I was sitting in the air, like I was at my parents' house 
you know, and I'm just like, this is what not is what I think. Yeah, <laughs> this is not what I thought 28 would be. So it was those few years where I was just like 27, 28 into 29, I would say too. I'm just like, gosh, I'm behind. And then it wasn't really until I, I bought a house by myself in 29 and I started to do these things and started to think like, wow, like I'm doing these things that I thought I never would be able to do without somebody else. You know, I always thought I would have that white picket fence with the golden retriever, um, you know, in this massive house with my baby at that time. And I was far from that, but I had the house and I, and I did it by myself and I got to do everything that I wanted to furnish it how I wanted it to be at peace in my own space. And then that's when I really started to think critically about the fact that, yes, you don't have these things, but you are not unhappy. So it was really just reflecting on the, that fact. I think I was almost making myself unhappy because I thought that without these things, I had to be unhappy. Mm-hmm. It was how I think I thought about the world at that time. And I now, thank God, I'm, I'm delivered. Therapy helped a ton in me uncovering these thoughts. But yeah, that's when the panic started in and then it started to subside 29 and 30 and I'm 31 and feel happier than ever. Yeah, oh, I, I, that's so important for women to hear, young women, women of all ages to hear because I think there is this narrative that gets painted that, you know, 30s over the hill and, and mm-hmm. everything is doom and gloom from there if you haven't met mm-hmm. somebody. And more young women need to hear that like, no, this is like the time in your life where if you are on your own, choosing to be on your own, or that's just what your timeline has looked like, that life gets to be so good and so rich and so fulfilling. Yeah, absolutely. And I echo those sentiments. Like, I hope that more women start to have these conversations earlier, like, because I think it does just aid in being okay with where your life is going. And as you said on the podcast, like trusting the timing of your own life, but like to be, to believe that wholeheartedly young, I think would be an absolute game changer. I can't think of about all of the opportunities I think I missed because I was scared of doing them alone or because I just didn't have that mindset. And I think it would have been incredibly valuable for me to have earlier on. Yeah. It's so permission giving. And and Mm -hmm. to your point, earlier when you said like you thought you couldn't actually be happy yep. until you had that that partnership and the things that come along with it i feel like there's this sort of pressure that that a lot of people end up adopting that we can't even choose to be single like the question oh why are you still single and you have to find a reason or an excuse yep. and tell them like i'm i'm on all these dating apps like i'm putting myself out there i'm trying and if you just are choosing to take a period of time where you're actively not dating that that's sort of like frowned upon and how could you choose to be happy when you're alone quote unquote and it's such a powerful mindset shift to go oh no like I I can choose to be happy anyways I don't have to make Mm -hmm. excuses for my relationship status like that's just one part of life Mm -hmm. yeah yeah I can't agree more with that one thing I'm curious to learn a little bit more about though you know, we were talking about empowered singlehood and and this incredible life that you've built for yourself, by the way, like 
amazing buying a house and the career mm-hmm. you've built and and all of those milestones on your own is is so powerful and so impressive mm-hmm. and we need to be celebrating those things more i talk a lot about like we should be throwing our friends showers yes. for like hitting business milestones buying their houses being yes. single not just for having babies and getting married exactly and celebrate that more but yep talking a little bit about what hasn't worked in relationships in the past too i think is important because I think that that is part of what gives women permission to be able to reclaim their singlehood and their Mm -hmm. solitude is by clearing out what wasn't working in the past and kind of coming back home to yourself. So I know you mentioned like situationships. Mm -hmm. I would love to just hear a little bit more about what patterns you were seeing in your past and what had you be like, you know what, (laughs) let me take a minute. (laughs) Yeah. And to be frank, there are patterns that sometimes I'd still fall into, but I think I was just chasing after people who were not emotionally available. And I realized that partly I wasn't emotionally available myself. So what I realized is like things really became like a game to me and a chase. It was just like, oh no, like I can get this person to like me. Like, why wouldn't they like me? I just need to do X, Y, Z, you know, this person. And, you know, I hate to say it, but like, this person slept with me. So they must like me. There must be a way that we can get to a relationship. And it's like, oh girl, oh man, that was, Mm -hmm. you know, obviously being my dummy days, but it's just, it it was reality. And like, I, I'm very honest about it now, but that was a pattern. And that was like my biggest pattern in seeking out people who just were not emotionally available or like seeking out people that I knew that I just like didn't have compatibility with. Mm. Like they're cute to look at, but then like when you examine our conversations, nothing of value, nothing there, not clicking surface level conversations, nothing deep, nobody that I would truly want to build a life with. And no one that I thought respected me Mm. enough that I would want to build a life with. And I think that that came from a place of having really low self-confidence. I had a hard, like building self-confidence took uh, 30 years. Right. <laughs> it's uh, and it, and it is a work in progress, but I, I needed that validation from men. And I realized that is just, that is not how you validate yourself. Validation comes from inside and from inside only. And it took me a really long time to realize that, but that is absolutely what I was seeking from men is just that validation. Like if someone expressed interest in me, if someone was sleeping with me, that means that I was gorgeous, all these things and smart and lovely, like, look at this. And I really held on to that for a really long time. So that made me chase people who just were not right for me. Nice to look at, but that's it. Yeah, it's such a common pattern for so many women. I think a lot of us at some point in our in our lives have experienced issues with self-esteem or self-confidence mm-hmm. and whether it's to do with like body and body image mm-hmm. or personality who we are like whatever the thing is, I think we all have our Achilles heel that that can be hard to come to terms with, but we end up then just getting into that pattern where we just want to be chosen by the other person yep. and feel special and important like you said, get that validation from them. And that's what can cause us to not see 
first of all, what it is we actually want and not be empowered in our own ability to choose like, no, what, what kind of partner do I want? Not just like right. who's interested in me. So what was the process like for you in starting to do the work of building that self-esteem and building your self-worth back up? I think one, it was just taking a break from dating. Like, as you say, I didn't have the framework or the terminology back then. It's just like being intentionally single and saying, look, I got to take a step back here. Something has got to give. This is not working and I need to examine what's going on. Yes, I can say I hate men and I know that they suck, but there's some work that I, that I have to do. And I was part of the problem too. And it was really getting real with myself and saying, you've got some stuff that you need to work on internally because it's not pretty in there and you need to get to a place where it looks more like sunshine and rainbows inside. So then you can radiate that outwardly. And that's really what I was missing. So it was a lot of therapy, mm-hmm. lots of it and getting down to the core of like, how do I reframe the not so nice things I was saying to myself? Mm-hmm. And examining where do those come from? Where did you hear? I would, you know, look in the mirror like, gosh, I look so ugly today. Mm-hmm. It's like, where did where did you get that from? Like, who told you that? Like, mm-hmm. how do you know that's true? And it's just constantly questioning myself and reframing myself or retraining myself to be nice to myself. I just was not nice. And I think that is, it is hard work. I still struggle with it. I can't, I have to be honest and say, yeah, I I struggle with it still to this day. It's a work in progress or I have these thoughts. I'm like, well, gosh, I just must mean that I'm ugly, that I don't have a partner, you know, whether it's ugly inside, ugly on the outside, but I'm in a much better place. It's a constant work, but that is, that is kind of how my process has been to try and build my self-confidence, but I can't say I'm hundred percent there yet. We're like 85% there. <laughs> hey, 85 is good. It's like even, even at a hundred percent, we all have days, right? It's yeah. never going to be just like a walk in the park for the rest yeah. of life, but qu- questioning those thoughts, that yeah. is so key in what you said. Yes. Like doing the therapy and having somebody help hold space, but like really being willing to, to hold yourself to the fire and be like, no, wait a minute. Why do you think that? Like you mm-hmm. said, who told you that? What, what evidence do you really have mm-hmm. that that's true? Because when we think those thoughts for long enough, we just assume that they're fact, they're our reality. But in a, in all truth, we probably picked them up from somewhere like the media, movies growing up, mm-hmm. kids at school who were just mean and bullies or siblings who like didn't know any better, you know, mm-hmm. parents. There's so many places that we pick up that become the voices of our he- in our head, those that internal dialogue and narrative. And until we question it, it's just like, running unchecked and making us feel like shit about ourselves. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm, thank you for sharing that because I know that it can feel like kind of messy when it's a work in progress, but that's the power of the vulnerability of saying like, Hey, I'm, I'm not perfect and I'm showing up and I'm, I'm doing the work anyways, because some part of me knows that that's not true, that those voices are not the absolute truth. And I'm, I'm going to sit with the discomfort and the emotions that are there in order to shift that, that self-talk. And then ultimately that experience in my relationship with myself, that is brave work. Yeah. 
Yeah. And I love what you shared earlier too so much. I mean, you just are such a self-aware person and have clearly done so much work. And when you shared earlier on that you tended to attract, attract emotionally unavailable men, and then your first acknowledgement was, but I think, you know, some part of me is emotionally unavailable. That is a hard dot to connect. It seems quite obvious once you see it, but mm -hmm. for most people in that pattern, it can feel like, I want a relationship. Why are all these men unavailable? Like, mm -hmm. is it just men? Are they not, you know, here for what I want? Mm -hmm. But the common denominator in all the people that we date is us. Yep. And so if we're always attracting or choosing emotionally yep. unavailable partners, there's probably some part of us that isn't comfortable sitting with our own emotions or sitting with yep. someone else's. So how did you have that realization? I think it was just time it's just like yeah. again you see these people progressing in your life meeting these milestones you're not you constantly you think about your previous roster and how the men that you know or the people who are on your roster and you're just like well what is the common denominator amongst them amongst myself and I think about the depth of the relationship as well like why did all of these relationships like just not go deep? Like what was preventing that? And I think part of that was, you know, I'll reflect back on myself. Like I'm always willing to say like, I too was a problem, but I didn't want people to see the 360 view of me out of fear yeah. that they wouldn't like what they saw. You know, you see someone super dulled up, but like, if I really peel back the later layers, if I show someone my wackadoodle time, like <laughs> what are the conversations I have in my head at night? Like people really think like, oh my God, this woman is insane. I want nothing to do with her. So it was really trying to protect this image, this outwardly image that I was trying to portray and I, and I blocked people out. So I was going after the superficial folks who also were in that same state who were just like, you know, I'm just like this attractive package. That's it. We can maybe go out for a drink or two, but that's really where it stops. So I, I don't know if that answers your question. It was just, yeah. you know, over time, I, that's how I came to that realization. Yeah, it does. And, and thank you for sharing that because I think sometimes when we're for the first time, like for people listening, at least who are maybe for the first time considering oh, what if I'm emotionally unavailable? Mm -hmm. What does that look like? Because I think mm -hmm. we just assume the term emotional availability means like you want to be in a relationship, committed relationship. Right. Really not what it is. There's so mm -hmm. much more to it. And everything you just shared are really great tangible examples of ways that we might be disconnected from being able to sit with the fullness of our own emotional landscape internally. Mm -hmm. And I think there's so much power in questioning and being willing to explore and then sit with and then accept those parts of you that some part of you thinks like no one would ever love this this is crazy exactly. like I can't show anybody this side of me they'll run in fear in the other direction yep. that is so liberating work to do it's scary for sure yeah but liberating yeah because in my mind I'm rejecting you you're not mm -hmm. rejecting me because you don't even know the real me so exactly. how can you hurt me exactly okay, maybe you don't want to see me again, but like, you don't even really know me. So mm -hmm. it, it was really a defense mechanism. Yeah. It's a way for us to just feel like we have some, some, some sense mm -hmm. of control. Yeah. 
Um, since you brought up your wackadoodle time again, and I love <laughs> that trend and that term so much, um, I think it's just like a great terminology or phrase to use yeah. to indicate like, how are we getting in touch with the part of ourselves that's just like un- unfiltered and silly yeah. and creative and free? Do yeah. you like structure that time? Is it journaling? Is it like dancing around your apartment? Like, what is it? Oh, so I do structure that time. It's really like at nighttime when like I'm by myself, I have like my bedside lamps on. It's before I dive into a book on my Kindle to kind of like take me down from wackadoodle time. <laughs> but it starts by like browsing YouTube. But like I'm a huge like YouTube geek and I go in these phases where I go really deep into things. Same. And yeah, so it's just like, I do have obsessive tendencies. So like, I just, I need to go like really, really deep. Like when a thought hits me, I need to know everything in that second. So like I do a lot of deep work, learn a lot of stuff really, really fast. That's just like my learning style. So that is kind of like how I structure it. So I may, so I keep up maybe the topic of wackadoodle, like the same topic during wackadoodle time for like two or three days. And then I'm on to the next but it definitely requires, again, like I'm by myself, but I have friends who understand my wackadoodle time. So I'm texting them like all my thoughts about like this new business venture that I want to do, or like this new skill that I learned, or this new technology that is coming out that I think we should all adopt. So that is kind of what my wackadoodle time looks like. I love it. I wouldn't change it for the world. Um, Some of my I mean, that's where my podcast came from. And it's just just like really leaning into these things that I feel super passionately about that I would kind of like hide from folks mm. that now I'm just like unashamed to share with folks. Like this is this is what I love. This is what I'm thinking at the moment. And if you like it, great. If you don't, okay. I feel so seen right now <laughs> because I do the same thing. I, I do deep dives. And, and yeah, once there's something that like, I have an itch about, I need to know everything, everything to know. Yeah. And I love that for you, that used to be something that you maybe judged or didn't want other people mm-hmm. to see. And now not only have you owned it with your friends, but you've turned it into like a public facing conversation that people yeah. get to be a part of. That's so cool. Yeah, it is pretty, pretty cool. And again, that's one of the like, one of my proud biggest milestones, I think this year is that podcast. But I think more broadly, it's just having the, again, the vulnerability to put myself out there and have these conversations that I was having with my friends and internally as well and saying, hey, this is me. This is where I'm at. These are my thoughts. Mm -hmm. Love it or leave it. And it's been the most liberating thing ever. Um, I think five years ago, I'd have been scared shitless because like, oh my God, like people I went to college with are going to see this. Like, this is going to validate all their thoughts. Like, oh, I knew she would never find someone, you know, all these things that you tell I'm just like, no one's really thinking about you, Kayla. Like, so just like you put your message out there and the people who it's supposed to meet or reach will find you. And yeah. that's all it is. And that's how life goes. Totally. I, I feel that so much. I, I also had a weird thing about like people that I went to school with seeing the yeah. work that I do. And I'm like, who, who cares? I don't talk to them. Like, why is exactly. that relevant? <laughs> right. And it is, it's such a huge achievement. And, and speaking of, you know, big milestones, do you, do you have a process for kind of celebrating yourself? I know we talked earlier about this idea of like celebrating our friends and, and the, the things that they're up to in their lives, but do you have a process for yourself of 
of self-reflecting and saying like, man, I did that this year, or these last few months. Yeah. I'll be honest and say, I don't really, it's something that I've been really bad about. I think I'd say one, I generally don't like talking about myself. So that is also why people were shocked that I came out with a podcast or that I went on The Bachelor because like, I'm just like, I don't like to be the center of attention. So like the thought of just having some type of celebration for my own milestone, I simply can't wrap my brain around. I will briefly reflect on it and say, oh, wow, that's cool. Like I'm getting better at it with the podcast, like getting friends to go out, celebrate, you know, at one of our favorite restaurants and stuff like that. But previously no it's like oh that's cool and and that's it because again I think that there's been no framework for me to to tap into to say this is how you celebrate Mm -hmm. a milestone that isn't getting married or having a baby I literally have it's I have not seen that in my own life so like I just really don't even know how to even go about that And then you feel somewhat of a narcissist if you say, I'm having this celebration for this milestone I hit, you know, because it's just like, it just doesn't really exist. But I do want to get better at that. And I think it's something that we do need, as you mentioned earlier, to celebrate all these different milestones that we have that are not tied to motherhood or getting married, which are fantastic. But there's so much more that other people are accomplishing that we should also celebrate. 1000%. Yes. It's something I've become so passionate about in recent years, because especially as a woman, the older you get and the more baby showers and bridal showers and those Mm -hmm. types of celebrations you attend and invest your money into and like Mm -hmm. pour your heart into loving on your friends for the more it does kind of amplify or highlight the fact that like, oh, wow, nobody's really celebrated me and like Mm -hmm. not, not in a narcissistic way, but just in Mm -hmm. kind of like, oh, there's an imbalance here. Mm -hmm. One thing I always encourage that worked, has worked pretty well in my friend, friend group is to just start the conversation, especially among like the single friends in the group of like, Hey, we've been doing some pretty badass things too. And like, just because we haven't gotten engaged or aren't, you know, becoming mothers at this stage in our lives, like we still are worthy of being celebrated and mm-hmm. bringing that conversation to the forefront so that it gives all the friends, even if it's just you and one other person, permission to A, be more attuned to the other person, like when they start a podcast or when they mm-hmm. do something that's just big for them, like they set a mm-hmm. new boundary. It doesn't even have to be this massive milestone, but to say like, let's celebrate that. Let's grab coffee later today or like grab drinks or whatever you guys like to do. And just mark the occasion. And then it also invites in permission for us individually to share the things that maybe we've kept like under wraps Mm -hmm. because we don't know how people will receive it to say like, I've been working on this podcast behind the scenes and I've been so nervous to tell you guys, but like I'm doing it. I feel really good about it. I've like planned it out in my wackadoodle time Yeah, and I'm launching it and like it feels exciting, but scary a little bit then your friends know to then say, oh, hell yes. Like, let's mm-hmm. go out and celebrate that. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. That's just been a really kind of fun, liberating practice and a way to deepen this, those connections and friendships. So yeah, I love that, that you're spearheading that. Yeah. I, I think I it's a, it that. needs to become a thing. Like we need to absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. And I'm going to do it. I I'm going to join a, you. Yes. Tell me how it goes too. I will. And 
I, I think I made a video about it at one point and I had several comments from women being like, yeah, when I bought my first house by myself, I like threw myself a big housewarming party and I created a registry because mm-hmm. like I'm furnishing this house should. by myself. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. I'd like another one who threw a big party for herself when she passed the bar exam or something like mm-hmm. that. And just like finding those moments that feel big to us and being like, hey, I want you guys to be a part of this. Exactly. I love yeah. that. Yeah. Um, okay. So many things quick interjection, because I clearly did not do my research. I didn't know you went on the bachelor. <laughs> yeah. What, when was that? What was that experience? Like? Um, that was 2020 it was COVID. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So it was a COVID season. And yeah, I mean, that kind of goes back to the other question that you had shared and I, you know, I shared it a little bit briefly on my intro episode, but it, it was my reckoning almost of being like, oh my God, when I thought we were all going to die, I was panicking. I was like, Mm -hmm. oh oh my God, this is awful. And then honestly, I really thought, oh my God, I'm going to die without even ever having a serious relationship. Mm. So I was like, you know what? Like maybe, maybe it's this TV show. Like maybe I do that. At least maybe I get my chance before Mm -hmm all of it. And I know it sounds insane, but that's literally was my thought process. I was just like, why not? The world's ending. I would love to experience this at least once. Maybe it works. Maybe it doesn't. But yeah, that is really what drove it. (laughs) And yeah, it was the first black bachelor. He was also from North Carolina. So I was like, oh my God, stars are aligning. Like maybe this is it. But that's really where my headspace was at that time. So I admittedly, I've only ever seen like a few episodes of The Bachelor. I've never followed all, all the good. way through. I've I've done like Love is Blind and I've done oh, other- love it. Love it. Oh, yeah. so good. <laughs> but for whatever reason, and now I'm just like daunted by how many Bachelor seasons there yeah, are. So I don't so know many. where to begin. But I did hear like, at least, you know, I was present to the news about the first Black Bachelor and, mm-hmm. and I- didn't realize that that was like right at the time during COVID either. I guess I didn't connect those dots. So mm-hmm. how long were you actually on the show and what was the experience like for you? Um, it was like four weeks. Um, it was, it's so funny. <laughs> actually, it ties in really nicely. The best part of going on that show were the friends that I made. Oh, I You love go that. on, yeah, you think about The Bachelor as this show that's really fostering or trying to foster romantic relationships all centered around this heterosexual mm-hmm. framework. But truly the best thing was the women mm-hmm. on the show. All you're doing is spending time with the women. You spend most time with your women and you form these really strong relationships outside of this man you're supposed to be obsessing over. And it, I don't know. I think it's really, really beautiful. Do I ever want to go on a reality show again? Absolutely not. But I'm very, very thankful for the women that I met. And that's truly the beauty. And I don't think that's talked about enough. So like some people will mention it. And like, if you really look at the realm of The Bachelor, you'll see so many strong relationships that were formed from the show. Like Mm. girlfriends who are still friends to this day, but their seasons were like six, seven years ago, but they're still kept in touch, have formed super strong bonds and I think that's truly the beauty of the show. That is so cool to hear. And it, it makes a lot of sense because you're yeah. living together, right? Like exactly. you're spending so much time. It's like forced 
exactly and vulnerability and that's that's really cool that you walked away with great friendships yeah yeah that actually makes me think the most recent season of love is blind was here in seattle where i live and i have seen a couple of the women like together out in public yeah that's dope like you guys are still friends after it's over exactly and you know it's real because they don't have to hang out like the show is over you know what i mean so like you know that they genuinely enjoy each other's companies because after all, you know, the spotlight's off of them. They're still hanging out and having a blast, which is amazing. Yeah. Uh, that's such a special way to just kind of like wrap up this conversation that really started around this idea of connection and community and how that can and, and should be the focus for so many of us, like whether you're single or not, building yep. that those relationships and and that love with the people who are in your life now, rather than waiting to feel loved until that one potential person comes along somewhere. yeah like that's the work that is the work and I love that like stop waiting to be loved yeah I, you drop so many gems all the time like I'm stealing so many of your phrases you're amazing but yeah I think so many people are just waiting to be loved or feel love when it's right there in front of our faces so often or only takes a little bit of work to step outside of your comfort zone to find yeah. Oh, I mean, you dropped so many gems as well. And your wisdom on this, this topic is so beautiful. And I just, as somebody who works in this space professionally, I just want to say thank you for opening up this conversation and giving more people access to being able to to come back home to themselves, whether or not they still desire partnership at some point or not, just to embrace mm-hmm. this chapter and take back their power. Like you said earlier on, that is, it's huge. And I I love what you're up to. And I'm so glad we connected. Yes. Thank you so much. And I can't thank you enough for everything that you've taught me. We've had two conversations now and you're just a breath of fresh air and your, your clients are so lucky to have you because you truly, you really make people feel seen and heard as well. You're just so thoughtful. So Thank you, you. Kayla. Oh, that that means a lot. And I'm so excited for people to just hear more about um, not just your podcast, but any, any of the other work that you're up to. So I'm assuming like your podcast is streaming on all platforms. Yes. I might die alone. So people can find that subscribe all the things where else can they stay in touch with you? Gosh, I'm so bad at, at social media these days, (laughs) but you can find me on Instagram. Um, My personal handle is spurk. So it's S P P E R K. Uh, my la- my name is Kayla Epps. So the spurk is Epps backwards. And then my middle oh, initial, cute. my first <laughs> initial, and then IMDA podcast on Instagram. And of course I'm on TikTok. So that's where you can find me these days. Amazing. Yeah. I love the community on TikTok. It's, yeah, it's so it's fun the for these conversations. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So last couple, like rapid fire questions. One, just to kind of sum a lot of this up, what is something that you would say to your younger self or maybe to a younger woman who is listening and feels behind in life for not being partnered? Oh God, so touching. Um, I wanna be thoughtful about this. Hmm. I think I wanna say you and your community are everything you need. And leaving, leaving it open-ended, I think is really important, like community and making sure that whoever is listening to it, my younger self, anyone who's younger, like community is just that it's community. It's what you build, you define it. Um, and it doesn't have to revolve around a man or anyone truly in a romantic sense. 
Yeah. I love that so much. Thank you for that, yeah. for that permission. Mm -hmm. And then last thing is, is what is one wellness or healing practice or habit that is, is just a part of your routine that makes you feel more like yourself. That's like, I, this is my kind of go-to or can't live without it. Mm. Therapy. <laughs> Hell yeah. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I would say like, oh, working out, but no, that's a lie. It, it really <laughs> is like therapy. And I know therapy can be cost prohibitive, but like if it's journaling is a way that is your form of therapy, that's wonderful. I am a fan of talk therapy, but again, if that's out of reach, whatever form of therapy works for you. Yeah. Thank you. It's always good to continue to destigmatize conversations around therapy yeah. and mental health and just like getting support is, is it's a human thing. We all are meant yeah. to lean on each other and it's, it's good to, yeah, connect with people who can help you find those tools to come back to yourself. Absolutely. Thank you for that. Thank you for everything that you've shared today. Thank, thank you for you. everything you're doing. I, <laughs> you're just such an amazing woman and oh, thank yeah, you. hopefully as we'll, are you. Thank you. And I hope we get to continue these conversations more yes. as your podcast grows and all, I hope all the so. I hope so. Thank you so much, amazing. Megan. It's been yeah. a blast. Thank you, Kayla. Appreciate you coming on the show and we'll speak soon. Thank you. All right. I hope you all enjoyed that incredible conversation with the beautiful, talented, amazing Kayla. She is definitely somebody that I'm so excited to keep in touch with and we'll hopefully have back on the podcast again in the future because she has so many beautiful stories and, and wisdom to share about her experience. And make sure you're following her podcast account on TikTok. It's IMDA Podcast. I'll link it in the show notes below so that you can stay in touch with her future episodes and all the things that she's up to. Make sure you're following me on TikTok. You'll with Meg's always linked in the show notes below. And if you're wanting support in building a healthier foundation of a relationship with yourself, if you don't know already, that's a lot of the work that I do in helping people clear their relational patterns and trauma from their past to be able to have self-love before entering into relationships. So if you're curious to learn more about that work in my one-on-one -on -one programs or group programs, you can learn more on my website. You can book a free intro session with me and we can chat about what you're working through. As always, if you know somebody who would benefit from hearing this episode and needs to feel a little more empowered in their singlehood, please share it with them because this is a conversation that I think for sure is worth spreading. And if you love this episode, I would so appreciate if you could leave a rating and review. It means the world to me so that more people get access to hearing conversations like these. And with that, I hope you have a beautiful rest of your day filled with so much love, so much joy.